Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exist, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim Elmore, and I'm the lead pastor of Memorial Baptist Church, Stratford, Ontario. And my name is Marshall Morden. I'm the associate pastor at NBC. And I'm Alex, the corporate ministry director at the same church. All right. And this is uh, an episode inside of our church corporate worship series. What it looks like for uh, us, particularly at NBC, is, is what we're working through, why we do the things that we do. Um, the goal of this series is to uh, do a couple of things. One, to, to show kind of why a church service looks the way that it looks. Mm. Uh, because in general, in general, I would say that uh, most church services look very similar. Uh, there are elements that are are you know added in some traditions there are i would say maybe few things taken away from from what we might do but but some probably even today's uh discussion is something that might be uh not in some but uh but just to to give an idea of of why we do things the way we do and the thought that goes into them i I know i know that a lot of times we can fall into the trap of thinking we sing and we do the sermon and everything else is bonus Mm. But that's not the case. No. Right? Worship is a broader thing than that. And so today we're going to talk about a section of our worship service that we call stewardship. And, uh, and stewardship involves for us two things that might seem to be a little bit disjointed, but we believe are very much uh, under the banner of stewardship, which is um, the praying over kids ministry and the collection of uh, the offering, right? Yeah. Uh, so when we do these things, we bring the, the way we do it is we bring the kids to the front, uh, which can be dicey, <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's not pretend. Sometimes, sometimes it's golden and everyone's like, oh, look at the kids. Oh, it's so nice to see the kids up front. Sometimes uh, you think there's, there's, we got to find a new thing to do here. <laughs> <laughs> it's particularly problematic on communion Sunday because the table's there and there's really no place for the kids. Yeah. And it's kind of an awkward thing. Um, but we bring the kids up. Uh, the ushers also come up at the same time. And uh, then we say a prayer. So, so let's, let's talk first about, why the kids are in the room at this time and why this is when we send them down. Right. Okay. So, uh, Alex, you want to, you want to get into a little bit about the, the value that we find in, in having the kids at the be- with us at the beginning of the service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is something that, uh, I was really impacted as a kid is that I was dismissed halfway through the service, just, just before the sermon um, I got to be with my parents as they worshipped, and you know, hear my dad sing the the hymns, and hear uh, my family sing together, and hear all the other families sing around me. Uh, I had a, a very close friend as as a young child in church, so I would sit with his family, hear his mom and dad sing, and uh, and that really in, encouraged me on the path that I'm now in in, in ministry and and particularly in worship ministry. Um, funny enough, at the time I hated singing. Uh, but you know, God does funny things. Uh, 
And, and the reason we want to keep our kids in service is so that they're a part of the worship. Mm-hmm. We don't want to f- have them feel like they're a secondary church, like they are, um, you know, this whole separate thing while the parents go and do what they got to do. Um, we don't really want to be reinforcing the idea that the kids are not a part of the adult church. Um, they're separate in, in their own ways, but they are uh, holistically part of the church capital C. Yeah. Yeah. We want them to be there. We want them to experience that corporate worship. It's also a good way, I think, of uh, not running into our silos in such a way that we have, you know, like the, the kids are over here and then, and then sometimes what can happen in that is, is the kids come in when they're graduated out of kids, men, they come into the service and it's all a shock to them. Right. right? They look around and none of it makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we want to guard against that. Uh, we want them, we want to always be training up the kids in our church to prepare them to be active contributing members to the church. Yeah. And this is a good way to do that. Right. Uh, the most difficult part for them and maybe even boy, this, it, if people listened to our podcast, this would be the kind of statement that would run the internet crazy. Uh, <laughs> fortunately for us, we only have like three listeners. Uh, so we can get away with saying things. <laughs> we can get away with saying things like this. Uh, but, but probably the, the least productive thing for them, the thing that uh, can probably be done, in my opinion, better in another place is the teaching, okay. where they can be surrounded by uh, an environment and taught in a way that speaks to their mind mm-hmm. um, at a level where they can hear from. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think prayer and singing and all of that, our, our kids are there for, to watch the baptisms, those kinds of things. Um, but when it comes time to teach, that's when uh, we bring them forward to pray for them and we dismiss them. Now, the reason I say that's controversial is because there's a huge, huge proponent uh, within our circles that would say, never, ever send the kids out of the service, right. keep them in there forever. And they can only benefit from that. Right. And, Marshall, and, what do you think about that? Yeah. So there's, there's a resurgence in, in a lot of circles of, of just keeping the kids up with the adults for the entire service. Like that's actually becoming more common than it was maybe 10, 20 years ago. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, and I know some people feel very strongly about this. They feel like it's very important that the, the children are exposed to the preaching. Um, and, you know, I, I don't certainly don't think there's a problem. Um, I think it's good for kids to get opportunities to kind of hear the quote unquote adult sermon. Um, however, when you have people who are um, especially gifted for teaching little ones, and we understand that, um, you know, I mean, I'm going to go on a limb here and say, you know, most five, six, seven year olds probably aren't regenerate, right? So that we're, we're, we're teaching a, a different subset of people. And I think evangelism um, is a key and ought to be the, the central component of children's teaching. Um, it's, it's just, you're, you're meeting different needs and you're using people with, with specialized gifts to do that. So, um, I would never go so far as to say that if a, if a particular church, their elders, their pastors feel like, no, we're going to keep kids upstairs. 
Um, I would never go so far as to say that's wrong. Um, But I like the way that we do it. Um, I think that our kids can benefit well from um, specialized, you know, laser focused uh, teaching that for them in their situation as children, you know, with, with, uh, you know, limited vocabulary, limited biblical understanding, and probably not yet a saving knowledge of Christ. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's why, that's why I'm, I'm okay with the, with the kids going downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think when I say that, that it's not really going to be a productive learning time for the kids, I, I don't believe that what I'm doing is, is preaching in such a way that a child would never be able to understand what's going on. Right. I, I'm not using a jargon or a vocabulary that's inaccessible to them. Um, but generally what's going to happen is this. Sometimes the problem can come from the kids just, not really sitting perfectly still, which doesn't bother me mm. and really bothers the parent more than it bothers anyone right. else around them. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so what they do then is they come with a means of keeping the kids from squirming mm. or whispering. And, and, and I think that that creates a counterproductive environment because what we're then doing is we're teaching kids, this is how you get through the sermon without listening to the sermon. Right. Right. This is how you learn to occupy your mind and your hands so that we can go from the singing time to coffee and cookies. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I feel like that is something that kind of gets instilled and, uh, and I don't know how you segue out of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think being engaged in the teaching time downstairs better prepares them to come and be engaged in a teaching time upstairs. Yeah, um, no, I agree. I, I don't have any quantitative data on that <laughs> experiment. You don't. Uh, but, but at the same time, I do see when we have, because we do a couple of times a year, keep our, our kids up with us. And on those Sundays, the parents who knew it was, the parents who didn't know it was coming, oftentimes uh, you see them at the announcement time go, oh, oh, um, should we leave or no? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's, there's a handful of people who, if they know that there's no children's church that Sunday might just go visit somewhere else that Sunday. Yeah. And that's, that's a shame. That, that's a shame. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, but I, but I also see people who do come, come with an extra bag that they normally wouldn't have carried. And it mm-hmm. is that bag of uh, getting yourself through. And I, and I try to make it clear to everyone. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't distract me. Like I, I'm not going to stop in my sermon and say, Oh, where was I? I, I don't know what's going on. Because that kid whispered to his mom, right? Have you guys seen, there was a, a video that went around about six months ago. I was at a large church down in the States. And the guy's in the middle of his sermon. And there's a new mom with a baby. And the baby's crying. And the guy stops his sermon and calls the mom out and says, listen, honey, we've got a nursery for a reason. No. And it was just, yeah like and this is a big church too i can't recall i know it was in the states i can't recall the the name of the church oh, or, no. but yeah like stopped everything anyways oh. in in whoever uploaded the videos from maybe it was live i'm not sure but whoever uploaded the videos didn't edit that section out um and it went so and there was you know there was an apology and all this stuff but sure but, you know, I, I think I can speak for myself and for Tim <laughs> as, as we preach, like 
if your baby's crying, your baby's crying. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, some people feel very uncomfortable and they feel like they have to remove themselves. And you know what? If, if you want to go stand in the lobby or, or do whatever you need to do, that's fine. But mm-hmm. um, I think just because we offer uh, programming for infants and children doesn't mean that they are not welcome in the service. If a, if a particular right. family says, you know what, we'd rather keep our kids up here because we think they're, they'll benefit from it. Um, like people have the freedom to do, they're their kids, right? Like we're, we're just right. offering something for them. Um, right. So I just, yeah, I wanted to put that out there because when I saw that video, I was shocked, man. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I think that that's something that we want to be clear about, right? We, we say from time to time just to make sure that we kind of keep the idea uh, fresh in people's heads. This is not about getting rid of the noisy ones. Yeah. This is about speaking to their hearts in a way that their hearts can hear, mm. right? Uh, and evangelizing these young children that God has given to us, coming mm. alongside families who are training up their children to be followers of Christ and our church coming alongside those families and speaking to their children in a way that they can, uh, that they can understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we say those things regularly. um, But you know, if, uh, if a family wants to keep their kid in, we're not going to go up to them and go, excuse me, you (laughs) might've missed the announcement, but (laughs) your kids can go downstairs now. Right. Uh, If that's your thing, that's your thing. And, uh, and go for it. No one's judging you. No one's saying, uh, oh, they think they're better than the kids ministry or anything like that from time to time. You know, my kids will stay up. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we want to be. We want to be, we're not getting rid of them. We're providing something extra for them. Right. The way that I, I want us to always approach kids, men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we gather up the, uh, the offering where we're going to make that financial contribution. Uh, Alex was saying at the beginning of this, uh, sometimes people push it to the beginning of the service, mm. right? Why, why, would, why would we choose not to have it at the beginning of the service, but instead have it in the middle of uh, our worship service, Alex? I mean, the reason people put it up there is to get it out of the way quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, they wouldn't I've also maybe seen put it on it the back way. end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or on the end of the service, um, yeah, you know, at the end of the service is, uh, is actually much more common than we would, we would expect. Um, but people put it up with the announcements or, or have it up almost at the very beginning of the service. Like you sing one song, do offering and then sing four songs, you know, get it like uh, up done at the top. Um, they, they wouldn't say that they're doing it to get it out of the way, but that is often the way it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Getting the idea of, uh, you know, doing the very logistical thing of, of supplying the church funds outside of your church service. Um, you know, it's traditionally happens in the church service. So that's the way we've always done it. So that's the way we should do it. But let's just set it aside. Um, we don't, we don't believe that. Um, and we, we intentionally put it beside the way uh, we dismiss our children because both things are tied together with a very common theme. Um, you know, even though putting money in a plate or, or donating in another way, is very logistical it has a huge spiritual aspect to it in the same way that dismissing our kids down to be taught has a huge spiritual aspect to it uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's the title of the episode it's stewardship um right we hold these two things uh, in high regard in both you know in the worship of our god by giving of what he's given us and also sending our children and stewardship and holding them in a way that 
would be responsible um, by teaching them and, and showing them what the word of God says uh, in a way that's meant for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause giving is an act of worship. Right. Right. It's equipping. It's us equipping the church financially to mm. do God's work. Right. So it's, it's a contribution, uh, a financial contribution to the work of the church locally um, and internationally, because a lot of that giving goes to missions. Um, so it is an act of worship. Yeah. We believe belongs in the worship service. Let me share with you a story about the craziest offering experience that I've ever had. Right. Like, I mean, I've seen people make change in the offering plate, right? Like a guy pulls out a $20 bill from his wallet. It's all that he has. And so he drops it in and grabs a five or a 10 or whatever, just to uh, cut down on the amount that he was giving because he wasn't prepared to drop the 20. I've seen that. Uh, but this is, this is far worse than that. When I was a kid, maybe, maybe 10 years old, uh, we went to this church that was uh, sort of like a, they were, they were doing like a pulpit swap kind of a thing. Um, their church and our church and uh, a couple of people from their church came to our church and a couple of people from our church went to their church, uh, which kind of didn't make sense to me because now I'm just seeing my pastor again, but I'm in a different building. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's the way we did it. Uh, and, uh, and, and it was to say that it was probably like still 95% uh, their congregation. Um, but when we, when it came time, for the, you know what, now that I think about it, their pastor was still there. It was just our pastor was preaching there. So when it came time for the offering, uh, their church was very much like ours, where it has two rows of pews, right? So you have two outside aisles and a center aisle. And at the, in, in very Baptist form, at the foot of the stage, there was a, a table, right? And, and they all have engraved on them, this do, and so often as you do, so in remembrance of me. Uh, with a nice tablecloth over it. And it came time for the offering and, and the pastor came down from the stage and he stood behind the table. And, uh, and while he was standing behind the table, all of the elders of the church came and stood uh, alongside him, right? So you have probably, probably like the pastor who is a big guy uh, and, and maybe like four elders on each side of him. And then everyone stood up and filed through the church to the center aisle, past the pastor and the elders, and out of the side aisles, back around and into their pews, okay? So this is a sort of circling. And when the pastor and elders went up there, they folded up the tablecloth that was over the, uh, the communion table, and there was a hole cut in it. And... Under that hole was the bucket that they would collect offering in. And the pastor and the elders stood there. Uh, well, Southern Baptists, they're probably deacons. Nonetheless, that's for another day. <laughs> they stood there and they watched as every person in the church filed past them, either dropping something in the bucket or not. Wow. Right? It was the most intimidating thing. As a 10-year-old kid, I knew that I wasn't expecting right i'm a 10 year old visitor to a church yeah. i've been in church long enough to know that i'm not expected to give i'm i'm freaking out <laughs> i gotta find something to drop in that bucket right <laughs> it was 
it was quite intimidating. I'm sure giving was good there, right? I'm sure you might also have a lot of people with like ones pretending like they're, you know, yeah, big wad of ones, <laughs> right? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was it was the most intimidating thing. I don't suppose we will ever ever do anything like that. Mm. But gentlemen, to be perfectly honest, we're going to have to come up with some creative solutions in a post-COVID world, right? True. The idea of passing a plate from one person to the next and letting everyone in the church touch it before we take it to the back and count it up mm. is not going to be something that people are cool with. Yeah, at least not for so, a while anyways, right? Yeah. Not in the immediate months after we get the green light to reopen, right? So what are, what are our options? I mean, I think the reality too, uh, more and more, is that people are, are finding alternative ways to give. People are giving uh, online right? People are setting up, you know, direct or automatic withdrawals, right? So I think the the percentage, I don't know what the percentage breakdown is, but there's a significant percentage of people, you know, at our church who give, choose to give that way. Um, mm-hmm. There are some churches, I think more kind of urban and maybe kind of more, uh, you know, urban millennial churches where it's like, <laughs> it's like everybody just gives online, right? That's just what they do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for us though, you know, we can, we can talk about, you know, what there are other churches that do different things when it comes to collecting offering. And it might involve taking a page out of their book because they do something that I think will be a lot less problematic, you know, uh, when it comes to, you know, the potentiality of like germs and and that sort of thing. Yeah. And one of those, here's a thought for you. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go ahead. So I got a thought for you that just, that just me because we're getting, we're getting to, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Okay. But we're getting to be in a, a society that even before this started carrying less and less cash. It's true. And now cash is being out. You know, people are speaking out against carrying cash at this point. Right. You think we'll ever get to a place where instead of passing a plate, we take that little thing like they have at the, uh, at the restaurant and we just pass that and everyone taps. <laughs> like a square and an iPhone. Yeah. What? And, uh, and just do offering that that way. Um, go ahead talk about the box at the back so the box at the back so the the box at the back is a is something that's done in uh i believe like lutheran circles and there's some other church denominations that have used this kind of discreet the puritans yeah the puritans probably did the same thing yeah and and so essentially people would just put their money their like their offering in to that discreetly maybe it's on the way into the service maybe it's on the way out um, mm-hmm. but it is, it is, you know, much less public than the right. passing of a plate. Um, and you know, and I think beyond the potential benefit of, you know, of not sharing germs, I think it might be truer to the biblical mandate of giving, if I'm being honest. And again, this is not like a huge issue. Like I'm not saying I'm so anti like passing the plate, but I'm you know, anti passing the plate. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so yeah, weird. But if you look, if you look at the the biblical model, right? It you're supposed to be discreet, right? It, you're supposed to give anonymously when you can, right? You're you're not supposed to kind of trumpet the you know the amount that you're that you're giving. Um, so to me, you know. Um, I, I I think that you know a, a discrete box might be a more yeah biblically faithful model maybe yeah I'm gonna come against you here I'm gonna okay. come against you both all right so get out <laughs> your pad and pencil at school time. oh here we go teaching time yeah yeah teacher time uh so this is this is why I this is why I disagree uh 
I, I think I think you way overstepped when you use the word mandate, right? Mm. Okay. Uh, the biblical right. mandate for giving. Mm. I, I don't think the, the biblical mandate for giving is, mm. is a thing. I also would think that there's a pretty solid argument that there is no prescription, nor is there description for mode of giving in the church. Um, and I, I see your raised eyebrow. And I know where you're headed with this. You got that grin like I got him. And you're going to talk about my Bible here. (laughs) You're going to talk about Jesus and the widow woman and her giving and not sounding your trumpets and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, But where is that? Where is that in the Bible? That's in the Gospels. Mm -hmm. That's synagogue giving. Mm -hmm. That's old covenant giving. That's not the new covenant church. Right. So there's, unless you want to say that there's, some sort of carryover, but that's, that's SGs. That's not, you, you'd have to read that into it. That's not there in the text itself. And so what I would say is this, here's the benefit of the passing of the plate. The benefit of the passing of the plate is that it is a corporate act, right? Like we are together contributing to this. Mm. Um, envelopes provide discretion, all that sort of thing. Right. Uh, to be fair, I, I, one, when we, uh, when I was in Toronto and we first started doing the giving online, they sent out this stack of business cards that allowed for, uh, every person who signed up for online giving would get five business cards. And what it was is when the pe- plate came by, if you felt like you were missing something by not contributing to the plate, you could throw in that business card <laughs> And the business card said, I give online, oh <laughs> I guess. And so that's, to me, that's, that's, the, that's the, that's what I'm getting at. That's though. the opposite of what we want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so that's, I'm acknowledging that's, that as a thing. Yeah. I'm acknowledging that as a thing uh, because the way it's even worded just says, this is so that my neighbor, as I yeah. pass him the plate can read, I give online, don't judge me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but at the same time, in the passing of the plate, there is this very corporate act of we're in this together. We are building this church. We are contributing to this. It makes it into a meaningful time of worship. We will, 90% sure, we will do box at the back in a post-COVID for mm. a couple months to a year, right? Um, we are going to have to go out of our way to think of a way to make sure that we worshipfully consider what it means for us to be giving Mm. in an active, visible, and public way. If we just have a prayer of giving, but no act of giving, it's going to be strange. Mm. Uh, When you do a whole like, all right, now everyone get out your phones. We're going to all text in our offering. That's odd. Um, So in a way that doesn't feel, that doesn't feel contrived, but still acknowledges the value of this stewardship time of worship um and and the box at the back just doesn't provide that it doesn't provide that sort of we're in this together it's very individualistic Mm -hmm. um and uh and not corporate Hmm. and uh more functional i would say than worshipful um and so i i'm i'm pro plate yeah the the not having the box at the back makes it an, an explicit element in our service that we touch on 52 times a year. Um, we don't need to have a huge teaching time about it. We don't need to have a seminar about it. We talk about it every week in and out. Um, just to say that this is part of how we worship and then we move on. And then the next week we say, this is part of how we worship and we move on. Um, 
I don't like passing the plate because it's weird. No, it's not. Weird. Yes, it is. It's you. We don't do it anywhere else in society. It's not something that's like, you know, comes from another thing that we normally do. Um, it's, it's a very practical way of just getting money into one place and handing it to someone. But, but if, if you've never been to church before and you walk in and it's okay, now it's time for offertory. And then they pass this silver shallow felted thing with no explanation. That's weird. That's just like, is strange. Okay. But here's the thing. One, I could care less whether, how much of our societal norms play into or out of the service. Um, and, and I would, I would also say that like seeing it as just a means of gathering money into a single plate reduces the, uh, it, it, it doesn't acknowledge the fact that this is an intentional portion Mm -hmm. of worship. Um, and I, I would point you to a podcast, um, about the elements of worship and why they are all intentionally (laughs) placed into a worship service for the act of worship. Uh, that particular episode hasn't dropped yet, uh, but it should drop (laughs) later this week. Um, but I would, when it comes out, I'll send you a link and, uh, and you can, you can see that that's not the case. It's not an operation. It's, Mm. uh, act of worship. I, and I come across that opinion often because I think about these elements in a way that makes them um, intuitive, in a way that makes people want to come and be a part of our thing. Um, you know, if we were doing something obscure, um, like, you know, doing Gregorian chants, which is a very valid way to worship, uh, you know, it, it would be a little obscure. So we sing music that is similar to, you know, what music might be in our regular society. and and. And when I think about all the elements in a list, you know, preaching, you know, people listen to other people. That's, that's not out of the ordinary, uh, you know, the, we adjust our music culturally to a certain extent. Um, so, so the offering just seems to be a, a stuck out thumb. Mm. Yeah. And I think Tim, like if I, if I can summarize, I think why maybe you and I have different opinions on this and, and maybe, you know, I have to think it through a bit more, but in, in my mind, I, I look at the financial giving as um, more of a personal and private thing. Of course, we all do that as individuals and that benefits the congregation corporately. And nine times out of 10, you know, from my own view of my own personal, you know, um, understanding of ecclesiology, I'm going to emphasize the communal aspect of it, that this is not, you know, I think our churches, uh, church in general in Western culture is far too individualistic. Um, I just have never really thought of the idea of the passing of the plate being this corporately beneficial thing, especially as a lesser and lesser number of people are giving that way. Uh, but you know what? Maybe, maybe I got to just rethink some things. So I'll, I'll get, I'll, I'll do some homework. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so all of this culminates then with the prayer. Um, I'm usually the one that gives that prayer. So let me, let me tell you the, the elements of that prayer that I always want to touch on. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause this is not a, an impromptu wing it kind of prayer. It, it might be the kind of thing that people feel like, you know what, Tim prays the same thing every time he prays for this, not, not sort of like from rote memorization, but more or less sometimes the same phrases are used and, and it always touches on the same basis. Uh, that's intentional. There are always a couple of things in this that I want to touch on. 
One, I want to pray in such a way as to be grateful for God being our provider. Um, there are there are peoples and churches that are in dire need of financial support for their ministries. Um, our church has always been a generous giving church. And we're grateful for the way that God has provided for us individually and the way that our church has been uh, convicted towards being faithful to provide for the church itself in a corporate way. Um, so we want to be grateful for that. We're also a church that is just teeming with children. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that is something, again, that not every church has. Mm -hmm. uh, but we had, we're, we're not a big church. You know, if you're not a part of uh, NBC, uh, we, we average maybe 170, 175-ish uh, <laughs> pre-COVID. Um, but, uh, but from that, we still had was that nine babies born in my first year here. Yeah. Um, we have uh, one or two more on the way right now. I think so. And, yeah. uh, and so uh, our nursery is full and overflowing. We're grateful for that. We want to thank God for that. Um, we also, in that, we want to recognize that this is a stewardship, that God has provided for us these means, not just for the sake of blessing us, but for the sake of us being faithful to use them to his glory. Yeah. And so we want to give to uh, ministry for the furtherance of his gospel. We also want to raise up these children in a responsible way. You know, I. One thing that is that has really broken my heart in, in being at churches in the past, and I try not to sit in other churches and just sort of judge what's going on or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I've be, I've been very intimately involved with a church one time. I wasn't a part of the church, but kind of by extension, was very involved with them. And what they did is they just sent the kids to the foyer and put headphones on them and did the whole like parents are going to worship. The kids don't even speak this language because they were worshiping. They were uh, an immigrant church worshiping in a native tongue that the kids didn't speak. Hmm. And so they went in, they did church, and then they came out, loaded up their kids and went home. And it just crushed me every hmm. week um, to the point that I kind of got to the point where we were like, hey, do a Bible study with your kids this week <laughs> while they're just hanging out here, if that's all right with you. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but but we don't we don't want to do that. We want to be faithful to raise up the children in the way that they should go, right? And because, uh, like our finances, right? They belong to God. Like mm -hmm. He has entrusted them to us, right? But they are His, and so the way that we we handle and the way that we you know um, care for like the, our children um, ought to be the way that God has called us to. Right. And so, and so these are, I mean, these are lives that God has placed in our hands, whether right. it, it's as parents or whether it's as church leaders or just fellow church members. And so we have to acknowledge that these children belong to God. And so the way that we uh, interact with them ought to be directing their attention to the one who owns them who created them and who is right. jealous for their souls right and so um to yeah we we should never take for granted um the the blessing of what you know children are and we should never forget that as much as you know as much as my daughter is mine 
she's she's she belongs to God on a whole other level. Right. And and, and they pass through our hands, right? Mm-hmm. Talk to talk to any parent who has grown kids and they'll tell you it they pass through your hands faster than you would expect, mm-hmm. right? So while we have them, we want to be good stewards of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we talk in that about the fact that it's the parents' job to disciple their children and the church's opportunity as those parents have chosen to be a part of our church to come alongside them Mm. and to aid them in that right a a parent attending our church we see as them actively coming to our church and saying help me raise my child in the lord Mm. right Uh, after we do that we i want to pray very specifically that these things are all for gospel effort right? Our mission statement, the gospel of Christ in and through us, that's what we want um, to take place with the things that we steward, right? We want these things to go through gospel effort, um, the, the finances and the, uh, the, the kids' ministry. And we also want to recognize that these things are wholly in the hands of God, right? So for the children, um, we will pray that God would open their hearts and their minds to the gospel even that morning, that they would understand uh, their need for Christ and his grace and mercy uh, as a gift to them, that they would understand these things and that even that day, maybe they would come to believe. Uh, but if not, that seeds of the gospel will be planted in them and that as he did with the bread and the fish, he would take our small offering and he would break it and he would multiply it uh for his glory's sake alex mentioned that these things don't line up perfectly and that we don't ask that he would multiply the children um we don't say that explicitly but uh (laughs) hey you know what we've had children multiplying all over mbc and uh and i'm not eager for that to stop so i think the bible says something about multiplication too so yeah (laughs) we encourage those who are who are able So, so those are the elements that we want to pray through, right? That in, in general, just to be able to say, God, we acknowledge that these things are gifts temporarily in our hands hmm. by your grace and mercy. God, we give them back to you that they would be uh, used to further your kingdom, make great your name, um, and, uh, and leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the uh, stewardship before we sign off? I hope this is something we continue to make a point of, of carrying on, um, you know, despite our grievances with particular methods. Um, it is something that needs to happen and is prescribed by scripture to be part of how we um, go about our Christian lives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and even though we, we might differ on the way we think about how we go about these things, it will always be an important part of what we do. Right. Right. All right. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker. Have a good day, everybody. Bye-bye. See you.